0: You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s and 2000s with voices from the past.
1: There's been a lot of myths about the African Americans, black people during the Civil War and I was just so pleased to be able to uncover some of the truth.
2: Historian, novelist Louise Merriweather. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Happy Juneteenth! You know, American history is a trove of compelling, yet largely forgotten stories of true courage and ingenuity and principle. Among them is the story of one African-American slave who, during the Civil War, showed his true courage. In 1994, writer and historian Louise Merriweather used that story as the basis for a novel that she called Fragments of the Ark, a work of fact-based fiction, which she intended to help put some flesh and blood on the otherwise dry bones of history. Of course, with the socio-political tide turning the way it is in many places right now, it's more important than ever that stories like this not be forgotten. So here now from 1994, Louise Merriweather.
1: It is based on facts. It is based on the true life story of a man named Robert Smalls, who was a slave in Charleston and a pilot for a Confederate gunboat. And what he and the slave crew did one moonless night was to hijack that gunboat, place their wives and their children aboard. They stole it. And they sailed it past three Confederate forts, including Fort Sumter, which could have blown them to hell and gone. And they delivered that gunboat to the Union fleet, which was blockading Charleston Harbor. That's the real life story of Robert Smalls, whose name I've changed to Peter Mango in my book, so that I could develop personal relationships between him and his charming wife, Rain, because it's also a love story. And all the world loves a love story. That's right.
0: (laughs) Technically, this is not the first time you've written about him, is it?
1: No, I wrote a children's book about Robert Smalls 20 years ago. And it was while I was doing the research for that book that I uncovered so much history that I did not know about. And I was a history minor at NYU, and I have a graduate degree from UCLA, and I did not know all of that history. So I said, I'm going to write an adult book one day about the Civil War so I can recover our racial history. So that's what I have done.
0: Well, it struck me your experience is by no means unique. Most of us know... History only as those dates and those tariffs and those treaties and all the stuff that we memorized in history class so we could pass the test and then forget it as soon as we left the door. History is about people's stories, isn't it?
1: It is, and the stories are so fascinating. And the marvelous thing about our country is we write everything down. Everything is recorded. Now, it may not get into history books, which it didn't, And it may not be in the television or the radio or the movies, which it wasn't, but it's all there. And we can recover it and we can write about it. Uh, There was 186,000 African-American men who fought in the Civil War. And until they made the movie Glory a few years ago, and I had started doing research on my book years before the movie Glory came out, so I knew about that. But I had never learned about that in school. You know, it just fell between the cracks. And all the hundreds and hundreds of slaves who deserted the plantations and went over to the Union side, didn't know about that either. In fact, I didn't know a lot about a lot of things. So um, it's... uh, we have been lied about and um, there's been a lot of myths about the African-Americans, black people during the Civil War. And I was just so pleased to be able to uncover some of the truth and write about it. And it's all docu- it can all be documented.
0: Really, though, to make it the fully fleshed out story that it needs to be, you almost need to throw the veil of fiction over it, though, don't you? Over the framework of fact, you have to, to clothe it in fiction.
1: Well, what the reason why I did that was I, myself, as a writer, hate to put words into a character's mouth. You know, I don't know what... Robert Small said to his wife in the middle of the night, or what he said to his slave master. I know the heroic things that he did. I have the skeleton of what he did. I've been down to the museum. I've been to the archives. I've been to the congressional record. So I know all of that. But in order to humanize him so that you and I can feel his pain and his grief and empathize with him, I I, I made it fiction. Because then I can develop the relationship between him and his wife, him and the slave master, the children and and other people, and not have anybody come up to me and say, oh, my grandmother didn't say that, you know, or how dare you say that such and such, you know, happened when it didn't.
0: Well, even if he had kept an extraordinarily detailed diary of what Which was said, and, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, even
0: all that yeah. just the day-to-day details, you know—to yeah. just to fill in those little mm-hmm, gaps, mm-hmm. just to, to, to the, the mortar between the bricks, as it right, were. Right, absolutely.
1: Uh, and um, so I, I made it fiction, but it's based—it's based on this true story of Robert Smalls
0: given the historical framework then within which you must work does that put a constraint on you when as a novelist maybe your instinct is whoa to have him take the plot in this direction because that's the natural flow that's where that 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 fiction that creativity takes you but you know that history went that way
1: well i went the way of history wherever the history took me was where i went and it took him to so many places during the civil war he was a pilot for the union on this very same boat that he had hijacked. So he went all the way through the war. I had the Battle of Fort Wagner. I had the Battle for Charleston. I'm down there in the Sea Islands. I'm in Beaufort. I'm all over the place. Uh, He went to Philadelphia to take the boat to be repaired and stayed there a year, at which time he hired two tutors and learned how to read and write. So I'm in Philadelphia, and what happens to him there? And he um, he was sent to see Abraham Lincoln when the abolitionists were pleading with Abraham Lincoln to allow blacks into the army. So we had an interview with Abraham Lincoln. So he did so many things. When Tecumseh Sherman, General William Tecumseh Sherman, on his famous march from Atlanta to the sea and 10,000 slaves followed behind him to freedom, my man was there in his boat to transfer Sherman slaves to uh, Charleston, not to Charleston, to Buford, where he then, where Sherman then went on to Columbia and, you know, the war was over. So I, he was, uh, Robert Smalls was in the thick of it. And all I had to do was to follow him. (laughs) I didn't have to fictionalize anything because he was right there in the middle of it all. And, uh, but I had just had to make him, to humanize him which is what I did, making him fiction, you know and, and having a tremendous love story with his wife and and his children
0: I mean, if all if if all of this had only happened one hundred and thirty years later, he would have been on the cover of people, he would have been on Nightline <laughs> with ted koppel uh, you know c n n would have been uh, right there behind him, you know with all but because it happened at a time when people were not so celebrity-oriented and so so uh, so fraught with making sure that we found out all the exploits of everybody and things like this, his story sadly has become kind of tucked away in a in a dusty corner of our memories.
1: Yes, well, he has been the subject of two PhD uh, theses. One of them has been printed, and. Um, I visited his grave in Buford, and there's a big monument there to him in Buford. He's very well remembered in, in Charleston and the Sea Islands. There's a high school that's been named after him, and, there ha- and I wrote a children's book about him, and then there's another book for adults that has been written about him. And so now here he is in Fragments of the Ark in an adult book. After
2: this short break, Louise Merriweather's personal stake in the history of slavery in America... back to my 1994 conversation with Louise Merriweather. You must feel like you know him very well by now.
1: I do know him very well. I, I sat at his graveside in Beaufort took off my shoes and wriggled my toes in the grass and said, Robert Smalls, please help me because I'm in over my head. I really did. And I guess he helped me. Um, I feel a connection to him because my parents are from the Charleston area. And my, great, my grandfather, not my great-grandfather, but my grandfather was born into slavery. He was a baby. He was born into slavery. And he grew up to be a captain of a fishing boat. And uh, he fished in those same waters that uh, Peter Mango knew.
0: Wow. <laughs> was, was, it, was it difficult to master the Gullah dialect?
1: I didn't try to master it. What I tried to do was just to get the essence and the flavor of Southern speech. The same as in my first novel, Daddy Was a Number Runner, which was about Harlem in the 30s, I tried to get the essence and the flavor of the speech without going into a lot of misspelled words, you know. And um, my mother was Southern and my father, so I just tried listening, you know, and... um, and trying to just capture some of the essence of that speech rather than to, I couldn't possibly do Gullah, you know.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm told by good novelists, very good novelists, that all they have to do is really, if they know their characters well enough, as you obviously do, all you have to do is listen to what they're saying listen to you and write it down. The, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you and become kind of a glorified stenographer at that
1: point. <laughs> oh, if it, was, if it was only thus... <laughs>
0: But you do you you do have that I, I'm fascinated by this this dichotomy that you that you put yourself in. You do have the fiction, you do have the fact, mm-hmm. and you've you you are bound by the fact, but you're also freed by the fact of that you don't mm-hmm. have to make everything up the way mm-hmm. a novelist does who's starting from scratch. Right. But on the other hand, you have to stay you, true to that story. That's
1: again. right. Then on the other hand, you're also bound by it, so you're free <laughs> and bound at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it's the character themselves that make the book, you know, whether they are alive and you empathize with them because you feel what they feel. And that's what the author has to make happen. And that's what I hope I made happen.
0: But also your job as a writer, whether it's a writer of fact or a writer of fiction, is to kind of push our limits as readers and Mm -hmm. make us stretch ourselves a Mm -hmm. little bit and think about old things in a new way or think about
1: new things Mm -hmm. and feel them in a new and different way. Yes, and to feel our unity. Mm. That's what I am trying to really do. And that's why the title is Fragments of the Ark. Because I feel that we, we are the ark, all of us, all of humanity, whether we're white, black, yellow, Spanish, Jewish, whatever, we are the ark. and But we don't recognize our unity. We don't recognize that we are all one. So instead of rowing together in harmony and in peace, we are banging each other over the head with the oars. We are murdering each other. We are massacring each other. And therefore, we are fragments. When we recognize our unity, then we will be whole. So right now we are all fragments of the Ark. And what I am trying to do in this is not to point the finger of blame or guilt on anyone, but to say this is the truth, this is what happened, this is the slave side of the story told in their own words. And, uh, and they are fragments, and you are fragments, and we are fragments. And um, somehow we have to learn that we have to settle our differences in another way besides warring with each other as individuals and as nations. We must find another way to settle our differences.
0: Were there other characters who popped up during the writing of this book that you thought, boy, this, would be, this could be a whole other book? It seems like you've got enough material here for a whole series oh, of books.
1: Of course, of course. There was a fantastic uh, white lawyer in Charleston, and this is true. The Confederates put into law that captured black soldiers were not to be treated according to the rules of warfare, but they were to be treated as escaped slaves and sent back into bondage. So during the war, it was the custom for the North and the South to exchange prisoners, but the South would never exchange any black prisoners Okay, so they would exchange the white prisoners because even the all of the black regiments had white officers, so they would exchange white privates and white officers, but no black prisoners. And uh, and as of the, the um, battle for Fort Wagner, which was the subject of glory, which is also in my book, those black prisoners were sent to Charleston, and they had erected a scaffold. <laughs> In the, in the court yeah. and there was this white lawyer who said these men are entitled to the rules of warfare and he took their case and they uh, actually argued it in court and won the case now there is a story there's a beautiful television story and because of that he was then ostracized his family was ostracized i think his family died in poverty because he had taken the case of the black soldier and won it, you know. Nobody else had anything to do with him. Gee. And so there are stories like that galore, you know, and the stories of the abolitionists, women in Kansas, you know, who manned boats and, you know, was part of the Underground Railroad, black men, black women. The story of the northerners who objected to the fugitive slave law there was a fugitive slave law passed which said that slave catchers could pursue escaped slaves, yea, even unto the north, <laughs> and they would pursue oh, them up to Boston. And they might even just snatch a free black person and say that he was a slave and cart him in back into slavery. So northerners uh, were, got very upset about this. And what they would do, um, they would, if, if a slave was caught, they would storm the courthouse, free the slave and hustle him off to Canada, you know. That fugitive slave law made an abolitionist out of many many northerners who just objected to the inhumanity of it. So there are stories galore like that when you do this type of research and you want to stop and write each one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will look forward to a long string of books from you.
1: Yes, the history of our country is very fascinating and I consider this not black history but American history because it's our history. You know.
2: And you can get your copy of Fragments of the Ark by Louise Merriweather by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. And while you're at heardeverything.com, that's where you'll also find my 1994 interview with lynching survivor James Cameron. The mob came into the jail. The First, they got Tommy out and hung him on a jail window. And then they came back into the jail and they got Abe out and hung him on the tree. And then they came back to get me, and they had me scheduled to be hung right between the two of them. And my 2005 conversation with historian Doris Kearns Goodwin.
1: In Lincoln's hands, the qualities that we normally associate with decency, with a good person, sensitivity and honesty and empathy and kindness, became great political resources.
2: And we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the controversial founder of a controversial organization. My 2013 interview with Project Veritas founder, James O'Keefe. If you Google my name right now,
1: you'll just see awful,
2: awful things written about me, even though the results of what we've done have been extraordinary. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson.